Hi, welcome back to another episode of your premier insect news destination. Our first story today, we, have, we, have, we had a bit of a backlog, so this isn't all like very contemporary, but it's relatively contemporary, like within the past month, I'd say. So the first one is there was a, a study that came out about people investigating why insects uh, gather at artificial light, because apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently um, it's a bit of a mystery as to exactly like why they would fly in these circles around lights. Like I'd always heard the, they think it's the moon theory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's only one. Yeah, that's only one of a couple theories. I found out there was the the there's the thought that it was they were being drawn to light as an escape mechanism, like it's a gap in the foliage or whatever. And they either they use the moon as a celestial compass and they mistake the moon of Archer for light, which is what I heard. Then there's another theory that thoughts that the thermal radiation attracts the insects, and then there's a thought that their sensitive night adapted eyes are blinded and they fly around and crash. And the thermal radiation theory ended up kind of getting kicked out, but. Aside from that, there was no definitive conclusion between the other ones because, like, the technology just wasn't really good enough to do, like, like night vision, like, 3D tracking. Yeah. Like, it was just the – it was tough to get data on it. And so – but that was until recently when some research were actually – because technology got good enough, the cameras were good enough, they could uh, track and, like, 3D model the, the insects' motions. And they, they found out that the insects are actually pointing their, their dorsal side, which is their back – uh, to the light source to keep them properly mm. oriented to the ground, they think. So, like, the light is always, like, above the insect, and so they kind of use that to orient themselves in normal conditions so they're not, like, flying in weird erratic angles. Like, light is up, and they orient themselves with that. So when the light is kind of, this artificial light is coming with them, it messes with their vertical orientation, mm. they found. And so that they're they're always tilting their back toward it, so they end up, they can't really fly forward. It's like they're stuck in, like, a gravitational pull almost. They, they kind of start to orbit the actual light because they're putting their back to it. And that, that's what leads to them crashing or getting stuck because they, they don't really know what's up anymore. Yeah, I think that makes sense because it's like – I mean, like, insects are definitely very, um, like, simple, very simple creatures. So it definitely makes sense that, like, mm-hmm. they would, that would kind of be the kind of thing that would, like, you know, mess them up because they're like, oh, well, that's, how, that's probably how, like they orient themselves or something like that. So I think that – I mean, that maybe makes more sense than, than the, like, the moon because it's like – that's, like, a pretty far-off point of light you know mm-hmm. so. yeah and just like like up is bright you know yeah. kind of makes that's, a little more sense that's kind of orientation wise yeah and that's kind of how the it's like i mean i'm not you know like an expert but um that's kind of how when you like their brains kind of seem to work otherwise it's like you know because like mm-hmm. when they're trapped they'll just go up because it's like that's generally like the best escape that's so there's so many insect traps are just kind of predicated on that it's like they don't turn around and go back down they just only go up you know? I imagine we'll probably see more stuff in this vein of like technology catches up because insects are like tiny and move very fast, which is a challenge for like optical imaging, you know. And so I imagine for a while there's been a lot of stuff where you just can't like track it. Like this is like it was just too dark and like they couldn't didn't have the technology to like properly track them. But now mm-hmm. like as optics get better and computer modeling gets better, it's gonna probably probably gonna see more stuff. People are actually able to like field observation type stuff. Yeah. Really like track movement or or get like way better imaging quality on stuff that previously was just impossible to yeah. do. Yeah. So uh, another kind of news, more of a um, something you can participate in, I guess, is that the uh, the American Museum of Natural History uh, have opened a new wing, um, and so they have a lot of bug things there now. Apparently they apparently they never actually had a dedicated insect exhibit in the museum so there's no this. reason like, to maybe, visit this museum until now basically yeah yeah but basically it was a complete waste of the taxpayer yeah, dollar but now there's you know? bugs but now so. it's it's <laughs> yeah it's making up for yeah. itself i mean i don't go anywhere unless there's gonna be bugs i'm just like i'll mm-hmm. just which I'll just stay at home well this probably 
Yeah, there's probably a couple cockroaches running yeah, around. Yeah, I guess. But, like, so. but yeah, so there's a lot of cool stuff, it seems like, there. They have a, a butterfly vivarium. Um, they have an insectarium, so they have, like, live bugs. Uh, and they have a big leafcutter mm-hmm. ant exhibit there. And uh, when you're looking at their website, you can see some other... Um, I couldn't find an exact list of everything they have, but they have some blue death fanning beetles, uh, honeypot mm-hmm. ants, judging from these photos they have on their website. Um, so it seems like they have a pretty good selection of bugs. Uh, but I think the thing that whenever I see stuff that's like, oh, they have like leaf cutter ants or they have butterflies, I'm just like the permits that they must have had to <laughs> like, because the the lengths you have to go through to get a permit for something like leaf cutter ants or butterflies, especially, uh, I mean like the ones that aren't controlled are like very very stringent because I mean that's the kind of animal where it's like if it were to escape that would be very bad. Um, so whenever I see that kind of thing, I'm just like, I wonder how long it took them <laughs> to get, like, permission from the USDA and have to, like, look over all their facilities and make sure it's all good. And, like, mm-hmm. so you go into those kinds of places, they'll have, like, these, like, double doors of, like, to make sure, like, no butterflies can get, like, that's because otherwise it would Yeah, they've got, like, that, like, sci-fi yeah. biolab stuff yeah. going on. So it seems like there's a lot of cool stuff there. Yeah, the interior atrium of the wing is actually really, like, architecturally impressive. Yeah. They've kind of designed it to look like almost like a cave structure. It's very, like, organic. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, they added bugs, so they did well. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of cool stuff yeah. there, it seems like. But, um, mm. yeah, what we're yeah, mostly was, interested I, in yeah. is the insects, of course. Um, yeah, there was also a bit where I guess they had some, along with the live stuff, there were a couple, like, preserved specimens in there. And uh, I, I read a, a news story, but one of the one of the curators who was there, I guess they had a team of, like, three people who had, a, like, more a year and a half to, to pick out the insects, the display specimens for the insectarium. And so they can only pick, between them, they can only pick 350 insects out of the 20 million yeah. that they have stored <laughs> in that museum, which must have been uh, agonizing. But, and so Jessica Ware was the curator that the story focused on, but Jessica Ware, she was in, she was in charge of the, only the hemimetabolous insects. Oh, that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really narrow it down that much. And You're only in charge of like half of all. Yeah, insects. yeah. Like, what's the big deal? But like, I do. Whoever had to deal with beetles and hymenoptera, that's that's a hell of a job. Yeah. But well, it's only like three. Yeah, there's only like millions and millions and millions of them. thousand. Yeah. Species and like ten million individuals. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and it took and where in her assistance, like it took them a year and a half to select the insects. And the article reports some interesting stuff where it, it talks about how the insects had to be pretty up, and some of the cases they had to have their and some of them even had to have their heads and wings attached. And I was, I'm genuinely kind of curious at what was the criteria for choosing them. Because you'd think that, like, if they were just going for yeah. some flash, you know, the natu- the American Museum of Natural History's collections would have just some, like, tropical hemipterans. You know, you, you'd get some well, of those I stink bet, bugs. But probably or, a lot of them are probably super, super old. It's like, this is something that some guy collected on the trip in, like, 1892. I, I, guess, I guess so. But, yeah. like, even, even still, you know, you think you'd be able to get some... With that many, maybe they, I, that's what I was wondering, maybe they took, like, historically important or, like, unique specimens, like a holotype or something, but that's, again, you'd think, like, maybe they'd keep that in the archives, but I don't know. I'm curious. I'd be, if anyone lives out in New York and they want yeah. to go and look at it, uh, let us know, but we don't have any eyes out there, but... Yeah, I mean, I would be really curious to know what the, I guess, the process, because, I mean, that's, like, a crazy, to choose, what, like, 300? Yeah, were they, I mean, were they going like, for, like... If you're choosing that to basically represent to the public, <laughs> like... Just like insect life. Yeah, is it just like I mean, that's like a family examples, just like focusing on the pretty ones, focusing on the ones that have the biggest groups, you know. Mm. I wonder how they how they set it up. Yeah, I'd be really interested to know what like 
I guess, what was like the process for choosing that? Mm. It's kind of like a, that's a that's a big that's a kind of a big job. Yeah, that's like, like I have trouble I have trouble picking pictures for like social media posts between like four or five of a B, and I'm like, which yeah. one's the which one are the best? You know, I imagine that's gonna be a big hassle. And it's like, oh well, there's gonna be like how many thousands of visitors mm-hmm. this month? <laughs> like they're all gonna see only the bugs mm-hmm. that you choose. Because I mean, I guess you have to kind of strike a balance with like having a bug that's like kind of attention catching and like pretty and then also having like you know like local insects mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So I don't know. That's that's interesting. I'd like to yeah, I'd like yeah. to see what that process looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also something kind of funny where it it they, they she said she had to take the insects to the insectarium on these like shaky rattly carts. And I was kind of thinking to myself, <laughs> it, it in the for the four hundred and fifty million dollar restoration, <laughs> you think they could have coughed up like maybe two hundred dollars for like a really nice cart. Or one with some better wheels, so they didn't have to rattle yeah. these insect specimens <laughs> down to the insectarium, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, ever in, the insect specimens, like the really old ones, are very sturdy, and they take well to being jostled. Yeah, around. it's known. You can just kick them around, you know? Just, yeah, they do really good to being just I remember one time I had, a, I had a beetle on a pin, and it, it was, I like, I like, it was not, you know, just sitting on the pin. Mm-hmm. And my thumb, like, you know, when you're kind of, you hit the, the pin, and it kind of, like, you know, it's, it goes, like, boing, you know, like, when you kind of, like, catch it, and it goes, like, mm-hmm. uh, and it, like, literally exploded, <laughs> and it was, like, literally the only thing left on the pin was just the, like, was it, yeah. um, was the, like, the body, why am I not remembering, the abdomen, the only thing left on the, the pin was the abdomen, <laughs> like, I had to, like, glue it back. Yeah, that ha- something <laughs> so happened to me bad. once, I was, I was at a, a, a BID course in Missouri, and they were telling us, how, like, some bees, you have to like, pull the genital capsule out if it's a male to ID it. And they're like, here, try yeah, it in this specimen. And so I was like, it's relaxed. And I was like fiddling it with these pin. And I, I like, I just blasted the whole abdomen off across the room by accident. It was like, <laughs> bing. And it was just, like the whole back half of the abdomen was like, <laughs> and just shot off into the distance. <laughs> it was like, whoops. <laughs> and that's, that's, uh, that's what they, that's the birds in the bees. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it happens. That's what happens. <laughs> Occupational hazard. So speaking of pollinators, um, so there's kind of a new, or not really a new thing, but because it started in 2019 uh, in the UK, um, where they kind of ask homeowners to not mow their lawns for the month of May, um, and that's because that is supposed to help uh, pollinators that come out early in the season in May. Um, so there's kind of a question if that's going to help or not, um, and because lawns are pretty much usually, they're not usually non-native uh, I mean, like, the grasses mm-hmm. are not... Yeah, like, if you stop times, mowing your front lawn, you know, like, you're, you're not going to get, a, like, a prairie's going to pop up. It's going to be, like, long, just grass going to seed and some dandelions, maybe, like, a couple, like, like weedy plants, you know, like, so, like, just not mowing your lawn, per se. And only for one yeah, month, Yeah, and just too. for a month, you know, you don't mow your lawn for a month, you know, at, like, what really, ha- I, I imagine what happens is some stuff moves in and then it gets hit with a lawnmower, you know, like... Cause yeah, yeah. It, it just I can see, I can see it helping to some degree. Cause I mean, you'd still be able to have like you know like clover flowers mm-hmm. and, uh, and stuff like that. But I think I mean like it's not an option for everyone. Cause some people you know like they don't own you know they live in like a condo or, or whatever you know like they don't actually own their yard or something like that. Um, I feel like like the ideal solution would just be to not have like instead of like a traditional yard to just like plant a bunch of native plants. That's I think that's probably the most like, um, I guess like pollinator friendly option, was just be to kind of do away with the idea of the the lawn, uh, entirely. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. It's it kind of feels like a lot of, 
stuff where you're seeing a lot more like um, awareness of kind of like pollinators and insects. Yeah, and there are when people like, know like about like mason bees and leaf cutter bees yeah. and stuff. That's like I feel like I feel like somewhat recently that's become like like people are like aware of like native bees, and it kind of makes sense that people are gonna like you know I say just like the average person because like most people don't really know that much about. Well, bees I think all. people like um, uh, there's, the, it's a pretty small fraction of people that are aware of like native bees, and you know, people think more about. But I'm saying Honey that's bees, like I feel like that's more common. Bees. You know, you go outside and you'll see those like those bee nests. Like they sell those like little things where it's like you can buy this mm-hmm, for mason mm-hmm. bees and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's it feels like the start of kind of consciousness about the issue. You know, where this no mo may thing. It, it's like it's people are like making an effort to kind of like accommodate this stuff, but it's it's still like it's kind of an early understanding of like what exactly they, they need, you know? So it, it shows the energies there, you know, like it's something that can be capitalized on. Like people are willing to yeah. stop mowing their front lawn for a month. You know, you can probably get them to plant some flowers, you know, or like leave a patch of grass like unmowed or whatever, or, or just like let the leaves stay for a bit. So it, it mm-hmm. is, it's kind of, it's on one hand encouraging and on the other hand, like, like let's take that extra step, you know, like you've got it in you. Like we can, we can push it to the limit a bit. Yeah. Yeah, back to news. You you may have seen uh, on the fifteenth. There's that story with a volunteer LAPD officer who got attacked by that swarm of bees in in California. And I looked into it, and apparently there was this giant nest living in, in somebody's house. And and when he when he got out of the car, he just got too close, I guess, and they totally swarmed yeah. him. And I mean, bees are super dangerous. Like that's a it's one of those things where it's like, um, I mean, we like bees. And honeybees are definitely one of the more like human friendly animals, but I mean, well, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I honestly, I honestly, too, I honestly disagree with that. Like honeybees are mm-hmm. of all the bees, they're probably the, the like least safe you could say because most bees are just like solitary, you know. And even the ones that are that live in like uh, that are like the social like like honeybees, the honeybees are like they're like domesticated insects. So I feel like they're kind of you think of them as being more like friendly and. And chill. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, like they, it was, there was actually, um, I, I, I couldn't tell um, exactly what the timeline was this, was for this, but it looks like a bee removal specialist saw the story on the news, and then I guess he put his bee suit on, like Superman changing in a telephone pole, and drove wow. to the scene and started, like, helping. So, but, but. Like, while it was still happening? It was, yeah, it was ongoing. He saw it on the news, and he was like, this is my time. And then he drove out there with all of his gear. And, yeah, I mean that's your that's your moment to be. Yeah, a hero, yeah. A, a couple stories described him as like the hero bee removal. You know, like, yeah, that's fair. You know, this is the guy was like, it's now or never, and he. I mean, you could have made it very. Yeah, well and then like the, the, the like the Batman like that da, 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 sting yeah. played as he like jumped into his his car and drove there, but and then he like was sprayed a bunch of pesticides on the nest because they were like he got he said he got there and he could see them swarming over the house and he was like, okay, that's not that's not right, like they they really he he said it was super strange behavior like they rarely swarm aggressively like they swarm in the spring i think when or late fall i forget when but when the the queen is moving they'll swarm but they really don't like go after people that much and you know they're like yeah. mostly in mind their own business and they only really attack you if you're near the nest like just too close like if you catch a honeybee on a flower it, it doesn't care about you at all but like yeah. but yeah this is odd because they were like attacking people you know like they another another yeah. person was sent to the hospital um, the LAPD volunteer officer, who's only described as Gary, was obviously attacked. That was all on camera, and a bunch of other people got got hit with these swarms too. So like maybe they're like Africanized bees, or maybe they were just freaking out or something. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're they're good in dem- they're good in agricultural scenarios, but maybe not as fun in the city, perhaps. But yeah, I don't know. And then apparently, when I, when I was looking this up, uh, I learned that uh, apparently uh, Gary ended up being like all right. I guess he was taken to the hospital with multiple fractures from when he fell and all the the yeah, bee I mean, stings. His son talked to the LAPD and basically got told that his dad was on the hook for the whole medical expenses because apparently volunteers aren't considered city employees and therefore the LAPD uh, said they're not liable and also wow. volunteers also apparently volunteers also to pay for their own uniforms and gear. Um, I I looked it up as well. Is that the LAPD gets what a, a great way to the, value your volunteers? The LAPD gets a one point nine billion dollar per year operating budget. And their total cost, uh, when you include pension and health benefits that I guess volunteers don't get, uh, is closer to three point one five billion dollars. So I guess they didn't have like wow. they didn't have like ten thousand bucks to chuck this guy's way for an eye surgery. So the family started yeah. a GoFundMe, um, and then, but then a couple of days later, apparently uh, his son was contacted by like one of the LAPD chiefs to, who personally assured him that the LAPD would cover. Uh, his dad's medical expenses. Well, once they started to look bad. Then, yeah, and they made it, yeah. and that's what I was kind of thinking. Like they they made it an announcement that like said like they'll cover his medical expenses. Also, they said that volunteers with the LAPD have insurance through the city that will ensure our volunteers are not financially burdened should they be injured. Which is I I was like this is an interesting statement. Like first of all, their initial response of saying that he wasn't covered kind of suggests that if the story hadn't gone viral and there wasn't video, they just would have shrugged and be like, sorry, dude, you know. You're out on your own. And also the wording of like the volunteers do have insurance to the city kind of sounds a bit snarky and is ambiguous. And they also say that it will ensure their volunteers are not. It's like the dude was just. Yeah. Like horrifically attacked by bees. It feels like the same. Like the volunteers do have insurance to the city, but like it might not be very good insurance. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that that's. Oh, well, I mean, at least the guy's okay. Mm -hmm. It's going to suck. But yeah, that's that's pretty horrible. Mm. <laughs> that's a that's a you know. yeah. It's a bit of a like tougher story, but it's hard to not cover because it was it was mm. everywhere on Monday, and I looked into it. I'm like, well, this is this is insect news. If you're ever gonna get me, all right. Well, that's that's this episode. That's the news for this period. So yeah, come back in two weeks so for your, your your newest update of what's what's fresh mm. and hot in the insect world. Yeah, and I'll give you an update on what's stale and cold. Yeah. In Take a take a gander at our Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and uh, any of the main podcast episodes, and we'll, we'll see you around real soon. Mm-hmm.